lots of spoken, so I better get up here. Somebody shout glory. glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Whew. Glory, glory. Wham, well, I tell you what, if we wasn't to do anything else today, this has been a wonderful time before the Lord today, hasn't it been? And I'd say we're going to wrap it up, but I tell you, God's got a wonderful word that he's laid upon my heart to share with you, and I've been excited about this um, and sharing this with you. And I want to go ahead and just let's just dive on in. How about that? Oh, if you've got your Bible, I want you to open it up to the Gospels. The Gospel of Luke chapter 8. The Gospel of Luke chapter 8. That's the third book over from the New Testament. And when you find that, if you would stand, chapter 8 of the Gospel of Luke. And while you're standing, I do want to say that my mom wanted me to make sure that she um, uh, wanted you to know. And she says, I want you to extend my greetings to the church. And uh, she wants you to know that she is, she is so grateful and appreciative and thankful for your prayers for her. She's gaining strength. She's still got a, a journey to go, but she thanks you for your prayers, the warriors that have been touching God, because she said, I feel their prayers. And that means a lot to her. And I just want to say thank you for that from her and also from me, but continue to lift her up, if you would, uh, in the, in this, on this journey that she's on. Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 20, verse 22, it says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. He sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. He came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Then they sailed to the country of Gadarenes, which is opposite of Galilee. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we can read it and understand it because, Lord, you give us that wisdom and knowledge to do so. I pray, Lord, that today I step out of the way and, Lord, the voice, the word that your people hears today comes from your heart and it is your voice to them. Lord, I thank you for your hand that has been so evident thus far in this service, healings and salvations and restorations. Lord, I pray that this word today that represents a seed, that, Lord, it find good soil in the hearts of your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you receive that, would you say amen? amen. You can be seated. Forgive me if I cough. I tried to get, Randy's going to help me. I don't mean to cough in your ear, so I've got uh, more I talk, I get a little tickle. And uh, when I tickle, uh, I have to not laugh, I get a cough, okay? So y'all just work with me uh, there. The greatest and most famous classic adventure, fantasy slash horror film of all time is 1933's King Kong. Now when released, it broke all previous uh, box office records. It's massive... Uh, Money-making success actually helped save RKO Studios from bankruptcy. In 1933, the movie King Kong brought in a whopping $2.8 million. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here tonight to tell you a very strange story. A story so strange that no one will believe it. But ladies and gentlemen, seeing is believing. And we, my partners and I, have brought back the living proof of our adventure. An adventure in which 12 of our party met horrible death. And now, ladies and gentlemen, before I tell you any more, I'm going to show you the greatest thing your eyes have ever beheld. He was a king and a god in the world he knew. But now he comes to civilization, merely a captive, a show to gratify your curiosity. Ladies and gentlemen, look at Kong. The Eighth Wonder of the World. 
don't know about you, but if I'm in that audience, I'm not still sitting there. I'm out of there. Amen. I'm, is, hello? How many remembers that movie? <laughs> and some of you don't want to raise your hand. <laughs> Mr. Wayne remembers that movie. He was a giant on screen, but the mighty Kong, which climbed to the Empire State Building in 1933, was actually less than two feet tall. There were three model sizes used of the massive uh, gorilla to make the movie. Toy figurines like the ones I have up here. There was one that was just under two foot tall, which is represented by Batman here. There was another one that was about maybe 18 inches tall, which is represented by the Transformer. And then there was one that actually is represented here, which you can... It's a little bit bigger in my research than I've seen than the ones that they used. They were smaller when they wanted to use King Kong figures in more intricate scenes that they could control more. Now, I found it very interesting to know here recently that at a London auction, the, uh, the two-foot, the uh, under-two-foot King Kong model that they used for the original movie went at a London auction for over $200,000. Now, it wasn't, and, it, and then when I seen it, I sh I, it showed the picture of, of King Kong, and it didn't even look like him. It was more of the, uh, the metal, because the, the fur and everything that they, they made on top of so they could bend him had actually just kind of rotted away, and it wouldn't stay on there. So all you could see was the, the robotic form of King Kong. So uh, the, the, actually, that robotic form that was under two foot tall that, rep that they used to make the movie King Kong sold at an auction for over $200,000. Now, in real, I was talking with Randy Daly earlier, and I said, Now, I know there's those who's going to wonder how in the world is Pastor going to leak King Kong to Bible? I'm going to do it this morning because it's very similar to our thinking. You know, in real life, he's just the size of a toy figurine. But on the screen, he's made to be over 50 foot tall. The latter of what I just said is pretty much how we as believers view our problems and view our circumstances that we find ourselves sometimes in bigger than life problems, bigger than life circumstances. Our text this morning that I just read to you, the disciples find themselves in a terrible storm. Many times storms catch us by surprise when we're really not expecting those storms they hit us by surprise this was probably true for the disciples when they were on the boat how many knows that when you got jesus on your side it's smooth sailing right at least we think that but think about it the disciples had jesus in the boat and all of a sudden it wasn't smooth sailing they experienced a storm that came up and this morning i'm sure that all of us know that god is bigger than our storms amen god is big i want you to know that if you don't know and you're you're kind of just caught up in the circumstance let me awaken you this morning to let you know that god is bigger than your storm he's bigger than the problem that has basically got you uh captured but in this story that i just read jesus reveals himself as the god who is bigger than our storms and I believe that our view of God is very important. Our view of God is very important because how we view God will determine on how you view yourself. You go, really? Yeah. If you view yourself as a loser, a failure, then you must not think very much of God who created you. Think about it. I've, I've prayed before. I've left this room right here before. And I've said, oh my goodness. And I've, I've, I've prayed. I said, God, God, I'm sorry I let you down. I, I did pray and I, and I prepared, but I'm sorry. It seemed like I let you down. The people wouldn't respond. You can ask Amy. I prayed. To, I was like, what in the world happened? What? I just let you down. And I, and I remember God spanking me. Boom. He said, so you're telling me I did a bad job. Let me tell you something. While you're inside the storm, it's hard to see the hand of God there. But know that he's in the boat with you. 
I want you to understand something. God said, and when God says something, he don't lie. If he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, you can believe that he's right there in the thunder, in the blackness, in the darkness. He's right there. He's the light in the midst of darkness. He's right there. And this morning, I'm sure that all of us know that God is bigger than your storm. But if you're like me, it doesn't hurt to be reminded sometimes, does it? It takes somebody saying to you, you know, God is bigger than that. God is stronger than that. We get so caught up in situations. How many knows that sometimes it's the placement where you're at that depends on how you see the picture? And sometimes when you're involved in the situation, the situation looks huge. I want to show you some pictures in which I'm talking about that's going to pop up on the screen. You'll see this right here. Now that right there looks uh, like it's going to do some damage. But actually, that is trick photography. The foot is way this way and the people are standing way that way because if you can kind of notice where the shadow is, you can see that it's trick photography. So it depends on how you see the picture. Let's move on to the next one. That looks kind of weird, but you see the big hand and the big bucket, but it's trick photography. It's how you see and perceive the picture to the next one. Last week we talked in our sermon about the Tower of Pisa, so I thought I would bring this one in. It's kind of unique that this woman is holding up the Tower of Pisa just with her foot. But we know that's a trick. And this, this gentleman here is actually holding the lighthouse. At least it appears that way. That's not really happening, but it's trick photography. It's how you view the situation. There's one more, I think, or two more. Now, this right here is, I, I like this one. You can kind of see the bottles up front with the people in the back. Kind of like doing this uh, as, as, as youth stuff that we used to do and bring pictures in. It kind of makes it look kind of fun, but this is trick photography. This is how you view the situations in this one. Uh-huh. You see how, how we can actually look at things, and it's not really as it is, okay? And so that's what I want you to see this morning is basically you're involved inside of your issue. You are inside it, so it looks much bigger than it truly is. But I want you to know that God is much bigger than your storm. There's one thing for sure in the story that I just shared with you is the storm was not as big to Jesus as it was to the disciples. I don't think you heard me. Let me, let me say it again. See, the storm wasn't a big deal to Jesus, but it was to the disciples. So let me ask you, in what way is God bigger than our storms? And this morning, if you'll follow along with me, and if you've got your bulletin or maybe a note, I want you to take some notes. Because I'm going to cover five principles this morning, and I want you to write them down. They're actually five eyes of the storm. I don't know if you've noticed on storms of hurricanes and such, but when they take it from space or they look at the storm, it has an eye. I want to cover five eyes, not an eye, but the letter I. So five eyes of the storm. And I want you to write that down, the letter I, five eyes of, of the storm. The first eye is intention. Intention. God's intention is bigger than our storm. Somebody say amen to that. And I want to share with you the first scripture that I went over. It, it says this, Now it happened on a certain day, that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. There's one thing that we need to understand and I want everybody to look at me. Whatever your storm situation, whatever the problem, whatever the circumstance, Jesus has a plan. I said Jesus has a plan. I remember sometimes when I, and it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing, I guess, joke now with, with, with my pastor, Brother Hayes, but Whenever I talk with him or he talks with me and we encourage one another, we always say to one another, I got a plan. I got a plan. And that lets us know that it's not dead, that there's always life. There's always something to look forward to. And there's always something that we can push on through because there is hope even in the storm. Jesus had a plan. It was for him and his disciples. Get this. It was for him and his disciples to make it to the other side, to the other side of the lake. That was God's plan. Now, we as humans, we failed in our intentions. How many has failed in your intentions? Let me tell you, how many has, 
intended or meant good to do something good for somebody, but yet it kind of you kind of let time sneak up on you, or you, your intentions was good, but you didn't do it. Maybe you was going to do a good deed for somebody, and maybe maybe you got caught up in time, or you just got busy. Your intentions was good, but you really didn't get around to it to make it happen. But I, there's something I want you to understand that God never fails in His intentions. He never fails. In his intentions. God's plan cannot be thwarted. God's plan cannot change and will not change unless he changes it. But I can read in the word that encourages me, Brother Wayne, that he said, I want the best for you. I I want you to prosper. I want you to have peace in your life. Now let me ask the parents here in this room today. You've got children. Small, maybe some of them's already grown and moved out. Some of them maybe still live with you, whatever, but they're your kids. As a parent, you want the worst for them. You hope they fail. You hope they don't have a good job. You hope that their finances, you hope that they're not blessed. You, you, you actually hope that they don't prosper. You don't want them to be more than you ever was. Isn't that right? No. As a parent, you want them to exceed. As a parent, you hope that they surpass you in being the man or woman that you've ever been. You hope that they make money and they're good at their job and you want them to succeed both financially and in their health. You pray for them, a covering of blessing, and you want God to direct their path. That is the true heart of a loving, compassionate parent. Amen? So how much different is our Heavenly Father's heart toward us? He wants you to make it. He wants you to go. And the whole part of this is there was a plan when the disciples got in that boat and when Jesus got in that boat, Jesus already knew before they even launched that boat, there's a storm brewing. I want you to hear that. Because if I were to walk up to you and I I say, Chris, I want you to get ready because you're going to face a storm this week. Miss Peggy, get ready. You're going to face a storm this week. Renee, get ready. You're going to face a storm this week. Brother Ron, many of you right now, and knowing if that be true, your mind would start working, man. Some of you would probably call in sick to work. I mean, because you would be afraid of the storm that looms in your future. Not knowing anything about it. Jesus could have warned the disciples, hey, I want you to... I want you to tie things down, buckle down the hatches, boys, because we're going to have a storm. And while you're bucking things down, I'm going to go down here and take a nap. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't open his mouth. Why is that? Why won't Jesus just pull us out of the storm? Why don't Jesus just say, you know what, we're going to go around this thing rather than go through it? Why? Because through the storm, we lean on him. We call out to him. Through the storm, we learn how to make it through it. Through that storm, we know that God does have a plan and it's not for us to be destroyed and lost at sea and drown in our circumstance and problem. But there is a plan and God, as our Heavenly Father, wants you to make it. Look at your neighbor and say, He wants you to make it. Philippians 1.6 says this and reminds us of this. Listen. Being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus. Not half do it. Anybody know of anybody you've worked with or maybe back in school, in class, or maybe somebody that half does something? Don't raise your hand. Don't do that. You know somebody that just halfs washed the dishes? You know, just halfs vacuums the floor. Just halfs, y'all know what I'm talking about? Just halfs, you take your clothes to the dry cleaners and they just half iron the thing. Right? You know somebody that's supposed to do something, they just half do it. Somebody that's working for you, you tell them to do something, they half do the job. There's an old saying, that just frosts me. If you had anybody work for you and they just half do something, don't that just get under your skin? Come on, y'all be honest. Doesn't it make you mad? 
that's evidence, I believe, that you know, we're made in the image of God. Not, not basically just formed like Him, but we're made in the image of God because you know, we, we have compassion if you dig down deep. We love one another if you know it. But also things just, just kind of irritate us sometimes. Don't you think God is irritated? But you know what we want to do? We want to take care of them. Those who irritate me. In the, in the book of Robert Richardson, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, take care of them. <laughs> if you look further in that same book in verse 16, it says, do unto them before they do to you. <laughs> right? Some of you is like, What? Well, you're laughing, but we create our own book of the Bible and we go by it more than we go by the rest of God's Word. Hello? We want to rewrite it the way we think it should be done. But God, you don't know what they've done to me. Really, you just told the creator of the universe, the maker of this world, the creator of, 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 of everything, he don't know. Isn't that crazy? Now, we may never go through a literal storm on the Sea of Galilee like the disciples, but we go through various storms of life. Your storm may be when somebody you love dearly dies unexpectedly and you just don't understand it. It may be when your job is not going the way you thought it would. It could be when you feel betrayed by those you love and no one understands your heartache. Our storm can be when life has us so confused we don't know where to turn or what to do. It may be when Satan whispers in your ear, it's no use, it'll never work. You might as well just give it up. You're going down for the count. The boat is sinking. <laughs> yeah, I told you. Didn't I warn you? thing about it is you listen more to the enemy than you do to God. What can we do when heartache comes knocking on our door and we feel actually overwhelmed by the news that we just got? We feel despair and bound by a feeling of hopelessness. Has anybody been there? You just feel hopeless. Don't know what to do. You're crying out to God and it seems like he's not listening. Well, I can tell you what. We start by realizing that God has a plan. God has a plan, and His plan is greater than your plan. His intention is bigger than any storm. I don't understand it at all. I don't really fully understand when I can't be honest with you in my testimony. I don't understand why I can't hear out of my left ear. I know that something happened when I was a child that done damage to my ear, but I don't understand. I've, I've prayed for people, and they've been healed. I've, I've actually agreed by, with faith that people's been healed. I don't understand why I can't, but it's, I'm going to tell you something. I don't hate God over it. I know he's got a plan, Miss Charlotte. And it's not for me to ask, why, God, have you not healed me? I know I'm healed. It's just in time when I'm going to see the evidence of it. Paul even spoke that he had a thorn. And Paul's shadow, Peter's shadow, they crossed over people. And just their shadow, Chris, they were healed and delivered. Just their shadow. Their faith was that strong. But yet they had issues in their own life. I don't understand it. But I'm glad to know one thing. I'm glad that I know that God has a plan for me. And I want you to know and be comforted to know that God has a plan for you. And His plan is bigger than any storm that I'll ever experience in life. Whether it's financial, whether I've lost everything, I still have God. Do you believe that? I said, do you believe that? The second eye that I want to cover, the eye of the storm is... His interpretation is bigger than our storm. Verse 23 says, But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. Jesus is asleep 
in the storm and evidently he's been asleep a good while wow how can Jesus sleep through a storm anybody ever been on a boat when the storm comes up oh I've been on a big boat I've been on a cruise boat ship when a storm come up we were sitting in a watching a, a show it's supposed to be a funny dude and the curtains on the front was doing this I'm like mm. I'm going to take it down to a smaller scale I can remember this last fishing trip where's brother Ron brother Ron and, and actually some of us got got scared and we left and I ain't waiting on that that's some bad stuff coming in but we had some troopers some warriors or either some stupid people no I'm kidding I'm glad we can laugh about that because we're all family <laughs> hey I just want to ask on that fishing trip by a show of hands how many left how many stayed <laughs> and some of them that left ain't even here today <laughs> amen it was hey I tell you what the report said it was going to get bad and seeing it coming in it looked like it was going to get bad had Mr. Bill say oh we, we'll be alright but he was right he was right what loomed and looked dark and looked like it was just going to wipe everything away. They got a little bit of rain. Everything seemed to be all right. It, huh? Thank the Lord. She's thanking the Lord because her husband stayed. <laughs> you know, let me ask you something. How many can sleep through a storm? Some of us going, man, I love it when a storm happens. I can sleep good. Yeah. Well, let me, let me put it to you this way. Do you, do you sleep good when problems are consuming you? Now, some of you got a different answer now, right? As a matter of fact, I don't either. I'm laying there, my mind's going a million miles. And, you know, I'm just thinking on things. You know what I'm thinking on? You know what I'm thinking on? I'm actually, I'm actually telling God how, how he can run things now I'm telling him what he needs to do and I, I'm actually trying to explain to him what, what ought to be done how he needs to hurry up and intervene in this situation I'm telling God that hello anybody ever done that <laughs> listen to what I'm about to say the disciples interpreted the storm as something terrible the fact is they could not change their circumstance. Follow me now. I want to tell you that again. They could not change their circumstance. There was absolutely nothing that they could do about the storm. And that's hard to deal with sometimes, isn't it? When there's nothing you can do about it, you just got to ride the storm out. Amen? Anybody ever rode a storm out? Oh, we have. And it gets scary in a little trailer like that. Lights go out. Thunder boomers shake the windows. We've, we were here, before we moved, we were in the trailer and we were without power. I think it was for about seven hours. To me, that was a lifetime. Y'all know what I'm talking about. No power. If you wanted to charge your phone, you need to go outside in the car and crank it up and charge your phone. There was no TV, no lights. Actually, don't open the refrigerator because the more you open the refrigerator, the cool gets out. You got to keep everything cold. No lights. No nothing. We're wondering when it's going to happen. We rode it out. The disciples interpreted the storm as something terrible. Actually, they could not change their circumstances. Do you wish you could change your circumstances sometimes? Do you ever think about that? Man, I wish I could change this. I wish I could, I wish this whole thing would just change. You know what? Can I tell you this? Everybody look at me. 
Sometimes you can't change it. And here's the deal. Quit fighting it. You just accept it. And what I mean by that is this. Follow me. The disciples couldn't change the circumstance. Why? Because that circumstance was there to strengthen them. Jesus wasn't afraid. He went and took a nap before and during the storm. The disciples actually came to him and said, uh, Master, Master. And if you read the scripture, it wasn't Master, Master with a period. It was Master, Master, exclamation point. Which means I believe their voice was a little bit louder. They was a little bit shaky. They was a little bit frantic. And I believe with that exclamation point, Brother Wayne, it showed maybe their faith was being rattled a little bit. Because you know who they're talking to? They're talking to Jesus. I have, I want to tell you something, I want to go over something. We have two options. And some of you go, you know what, I can speak to that storm. Yeah, you can. You can speak to that storm because Jesus has given us the authority to speak to a storm. But most of us go around saying, I can speak to the storm, but you don't, you don't speak to the storm because you're missing the ingredient of faith like the disciples was doing. That He said, where is your faith? The same disciples that actually witnessed Jesus do miracles when he walked with them, they stayed with them, miracles as he walked healing people. Where's that faith? What happened? Can I ask you something? Let me ask you. Is anybody in this room, God has done something in your life at one time or another. He saved you. He healed you. He brought you out of a dangerous situation. You can say, God has saved me. Show me your hand. God has done something in my life, and he's rescued me. He's saved me. Amen. So put your hands down. So you're just like the disciples. You are a disciple. But God has actually done things in your life to prove that he can do a miracle in your life, but yet we're still doubting him in the storm. This is what the disciples are doing. We have a couple options. We can speak to it and command it to go. We can realize it and accept it. There's nothing we can do about the storm, but that's option A and option B, but many of us choose option C. You know what that is? We complain about the storm. This storm, I I can't wait till I get out of this. It ain't my fault I'm in this storm. It's my wife's fault. If she'd have done this. Or it's my husband if he'd have done that. I can't wait to get out of this. God, I don't know what I've done to deserve such, such a storm in my life. And we complain about the storm that we're going through. Hello? There's not an option C, but we create one. You can speak to the storm, or you accept it and go, God, I don't know the reason why I'm in this thing, but I'm going to make it. Why are you going to make it? Because you just chose and you understand that God has a plan and His plan for you is to make it. Somebody say amen. We need to realize that God doesn't see the storm the way we see it. Y'all remember the pictures? God doesn't see the storm the same way that you see it. His interpretation is bigger than your storm. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's telling you in his word that his thoughts are not your thoughts. And your little little bitty thinking don't even come close to his massive, wonderful mindset. God sees the storm as a means of advancement. Did you hear that? Oh, come on now. Did you hear that? God sees the storm as a means of advancement. Are y'all still with me? He uses storms of life to test us, to help us get closer to Him. I've said this before. I've had people, Pastor, would you please help me pray? I want to get out of this. I'm praying and I'm fasting and I'm believing God to get me out of this thing. I need to get through this thing. And I hear God say, you know what? They want me to get them out of this storm. They want me to quieten this storm. But this is the most they've ever talked to me in a while. Why do we do that? Why, why do we just call out to God when there's a storm? But when it's sunny skies and everything's going all good, He don't hear from you. Hello? 
Hello? God wants to hear from you in the sunshine and in the dark skies of your problems and situations. God wants to use your trials to bring us a little closer to Him. The Bible even tells us, I'm, I'm, thank you Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, you know what, there, there's an enemy. Do you know you have an enemy? We all have an enemy and he wants to do us in. The Bible tells us he's, he's out to get you. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy you. To take things that God, he even wants to disrupt his plan for you. He wants to mess things up. But we're reminded that even when the enemy tries to mess things up, God can take what the devil meant for bad and evil and turn it to good. That lets me know no matter what storm I'm going in, no matter what report that I'm getting from the doctor, no matter how things are going in my life, no matter what situation I'm in, I trust and have faith in God that He's going to see me through, that I'm going to make it. Look at your neighbor and go, you're going to make it. When trouble comes down on us, do we carelessly say like some, God doesn't care or he'd get me out of this? I've heard people say that to me as a pastor. If God cared for me, how come he hadn't gotten me out of this? Let me ask you this. As parents, I know it bothers you sometimes to see your children go through things. How many has actually let them go through things but monitored them as they went through it? Because if they go through this, they're going to learn something. You been there? Oh, I've got a testimony of that. I remember when I worked for uh, Z100 on the way to start, while I was going through town, just stopped by McDonald's and got me one of them salads. I was going through town up there by Cash Distributing. I was, I'd just gone right there at that red light with the Salvation Army, and I was going on. I got pulled over by a police officer. Uh, I think because he said I ran a red light. Okay. But that wasn't the worst of it because when he went to check my license, I had suspended license. Did not know it. But apparently, a ticket that I got a, a month or so ago for speeding, I didn't take care of it. So now my license are suspended. Pastor, we didn't know that, so we're going to have a meeting after church. That wasn't on your resume. <laughs> so here's the deal. This was on a Sunday, by the way. I'm heading to work. I'm just a young whippersnapper trying to make a living. I'm going to, I'm going to work. Amy and I are not married yet, but we're dating. Isn't it how the Lord works? I get arrested, taken to the jail uptown, the old jail. I remember the officer because when I joined the police department, I, I, I become good friends with him. <laughs> officer Terry Dentry arrested me that day. Not only did I get a ticket for running a red light, and I got a, 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 a ticket for suspension of driver's license, but that, that day my mom had wanted me, well, it wasn't that day, it was a couple of days earlier, my mom had wanted me to clean her twenty-two pistol. And I had it in the flowboard. Yeah, little me. I told Terry, I said, I think you was trying to get your quota on me that day. Anyway, I got arrested, taken to jail uptown, and, and, and they, they booked me, took my, my, my mug shot, which when I got hired to police department, I quickly went and got that. And I sat in jail. Of course, you're, you're allowed a phone call, bro, eh? That's what I learned on TV. So I tried to call somebody on Sunday. Out of all the days that most people want to stay home, ain't nobody home. And it wasn't like we all had cell phones. Y'all laughing, but I couldn't get in touch with Amy. I couldn't get in touch with Mama Gail, Big E. I couldn't get in touch with my mama, my daddy. Everybody's praising the Lord at the church house, and I'm sitting down at the jailhouse. <laughs> I'll never forget, though. And my daddy, if he was here today, he'd tell you. I remember my mom and daddy coming down to the jail, and I was like so grateful to get out of that stinky cell 
with all of those other criminals in there, and I wasn't a criminal. And I remember Mama and Daddy arguing on this. Daddy said, I think you ought to stay in there a little while. Mama said, no. I think he's learned his lesson. What's the difference? I got two parents. One of them didn't hate me, but there was a lesson to be learned. And the only way that sometimes you're going to learn a lesson is go through what you're going through. Get through the storm because I'm told through this story that we're reading in the scripture that God wants me to make it. God wants me to make it. Look at your neighbor again and say, you're going to make it. Matter of fact, I remember sitting in that cell and I'll never forget there was a guy. I mean, I sat close to the door. I sat down on the ground by the door and I didn't want to go deep into the cell where everybody else was. And I remember a guy, he asked me, he said, what you in for? I said, murder. <laughs> I kid you not. And I was scared. I'll tell you this, I never went back to jail again on that side of the law because I joined the law. (laughs) The third eye is inclination. The third eye is inclination. His inclination is bigger than our storm. Luke chapter 8 that I just read to you, verse 23 and 24 says, But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and the windstorm came down on the lake. They were filling... Listen, they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and they awoke him, talking about Jesus. And they said, Master, Master, we're perishing. That was an exclamation point. And he arose and rebuked the wind and raging of the water. And they ceased and there was a calm. When the Bible says that, I want you to understand because I did a study on this. When the Bible says that the ship was filled with water, when I read that scripture... Brother Stephen, I always thought that the ship was sinking. But as I studied that, I realized the ship wasn't sinking. When the scripture says that the ship was filled with water, it means that they were losing control of their ship. And that the water was now controlling the boat rather than the boat controlling the boat. The storm was controlling the boat. This is speaking to somebody today. God has said, listen, you control the boat, but you're allowing the storm to control you. I didn't ma- That storm is not made to control you. You are made to speak to that storm. You are made to make it through that storm because God's word says, I am with you in the storm. All you have to do is have faith and even ask the disciples. He said, where's your faith? Where's your faith? There's another word in that scripture, jeopardy. Jeopardy indicates that they feared death. They thought, it's over. Anybody ever been there before? You thought, hey, it's over. It's, hey, I'm done with this. You know, I've seen God's hand move, and I've had the, we've had these services before. I've seen God's hand move in people's life. I've seen miracles. God's even moved in my life, but I am dry. God hadn't done anything for me. I'm just done with it. I'm done. You know where that comes from? Are y'all ready? You know where that comes from? Entertaining the enemy and saying you need to give up. You haven't seen God move. You ha- he hasn't done anything in your life. You know, and blah, blah, blah. And he's beginning to whisper lies. He, the, we're, we're told that he's the father of lies. And yet we believe him more than we believe God. When God says you're going to make it and the enemy says you're going to die. The word jeopardy indicates that they feared death. You know what, though? Listen, when you read this, they did the right thing. The disciples did the right thing. They went to Jesus, hallelujah. They went to Jesus and they said, Master, Master, the ship is going down. We're going to perish. Jesus, let me tell you something. While they were literally going down, Jesus was rising up. Nothing Nothing actually affects Jesus because he controls it. Nothing controls Jesus. He controls it. Jesus arose, but not in the way that I would have arose. Has anybody ever been in sleep and somebody come in and say, Hey, man, you get up and you want to hit something? 
huh? Rob, if Robbie was here, I'd tell you, Robbie's the same way. I'll go in there and I'll open the door and go, hey, man, he's a, what, what? He's the same way. I don't know if they did that to him at, at boot camp or what, scared him half dead. Now he does, oh, uh, what? He gets up sometimes, yes, sir. I don't like to be startled like that. Do you? I mean, when I go in there and I wake up Amy, I mean, I'm going to tell you what, she's got an awesome right hook, so I'll go in there. I'll go in there quietly, and then I, I go, I go, hey, hey, what? <laughs> Just going to let you know that I'm gone. I do, don't I? I don't, hey, you don't mess her, you don't, because let me tell you something, I, I don't want to be done that way, right? Hello? You think the house is on fire and everything. Oh, you just, hey, I'm just leaving. Just want to let you know. They went to Jesus and they go, Master, Master. You know, he didn't jump up. He arose and he took care of business. The business that the disciples should have taken care of. Because of lack of faith, they let the storm overtake them. How many knows that when you're in your storm, all you have to do is call out to God? When your doubt called out to God. When, when the wind and you feel the effects of the storm in your life financially, maybe health situations, maybe relationship, maybe your marriage, maybe with a job, maybe career, maybe with your children, and you feel the winds of a storm arising, how many can smell rain before it gets there? You know it's on the way. Some of you can smell a storm before it approaches. Jeremiah 33.3, known as God's telephone number, it says this in Jeremiah 33.3, says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. God wants you to call out to Him. One amazing thing I thought was kind of neat when I did this that doctors have actually verified is that a mother often has a special ear for the cry of their baby. Mothers can often distinguish their baby crying in a room full of other babies. Now, I don't know how they do that because to me, all of them sound the same. And they don't. To a mother, they don't sound the same. But to me, we ran a nursery here, and I'm thinking, wah, wah. I mean, they can tell their baby is crying, but us men, if you heard one, you've heard them all. <laughs> but why? Why is that with the woman? I'm going to tell you, because God made her with a special ear for her baby. She's inclined, somebody say inclined. She's inclined to hear her baby, but that pales in comparison with God's ear for the cry of His children. You can have a slightest whimper and God's attention is on you. God hears you, but the devil wants you to think he don't. Psalms 34, verse 17 and 18 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. Matter of fact, I just missed a word in that. He delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. In your trouble, cry out to God. He's waiting for you. His inclination is not just to hear you, but His inclination is to help you. Although Jesus was sleeping, I think the disciples misunderstood the nature of His sleep. I want you to follow me. Listen, I'm about to bring this down. About to land. I circle a couple of times before I land. But I believe that the disciples misunderstood his sleep. They evidently, evidently, they thought that sleeping meant that he was unaware of their present situation. Or that he was unconcerned for their personal life. Or that he was unable to make a difference that they needed at that time. But can I tell you something? If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Jesus was no less God when he was asleep than when he was awake. I think I'll say that again. Jesus was no less God when he was asleep than when he was awake. Jesus was no less God when he was laying down than he was when he was standing up. He rebuked the wind and the storm and produced a calm. Psalm 
chapter 34, verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He delivers him out of them all. No matter how dark your life may seem, no how dark that storm may be in your life, his inclination is bigger than your storm. Here's the next I. Intervention. His intervention is bigger than your storm. Verse 25 says this, but he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? He commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. These are the same disciples, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, that, that has witnessed miracles that Jesus did. Miracles that he per performed. Healings that he did. Let me ask you something. If God can control the wind and the waves, don't you think he can control your storm? If God can alter the very laws of nature, I believe he can help me with my problems. Amen. How many believes that today? There is no storm too big for God. I think that you missed it. I want to say that again because some of you heard my cough more than you heard the word. The storm was just a platform for Jesus to do his work. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, I don't understand how he does it. But God can even use the junk in my life to bring him glory. Did you hear that? Some of you need to hear that because the enemy's been whooping up on you about your junk. About things you're going through. About your probably your addictions and about how you treat God and all that. You might as well just give up. You might as well just take it out. You might as well just do away with yourself because God has done forgotten you because you have let him down so many times. You've let him down. That's a lie from the pit of hell. From the father of all lies and you entertain him by listening to it. Take a moment and I want you to do this. I just want you to Thank God for his intervention in your life. Because his intervention is bigger than your storm. The last eye that I want to cover with you today. The eye of instruction. His instruction is bigger than our storm. The disciples learned some things through the storm that they might not have learned any other way. They learned something about their faith. Jesus asked them, remember this? He says, where is your faith? He asked a good question there. Where is your faith? I don't know where their faith was, but I can tell you where their faith was not. Their faith may have been in the size of the boat to withstand the storm. Their faith may have been in their ability to outroll the storm. Their faith may have been in the, the, the strength of their anchor. I don't know where their faith was, but I can tell you where it wasn't. It wasn't in Christ. They learned something about their faith from that storm that day, and we can learn it as well. When God sends a storm my way, when God has a storm and it appears in your life, let me tell you something. Begin to praise God in the storm. Begin to seek God's face in the storm. Different things I become real to me, Danielle, that in a storm I realize things that I'm actually leaning on that I shouldn't be leaning on. I realize through God's wisdom that I'm actually leaning and supporting myself on things I shouldn't be supporting myself with because God is only support that I need. What have you been leaning on? What support have you been leaning on? Can I ask you today, what if Jesus asked you this morning, where is your faith? Would you say, well, be honest with you, my faith is in a person. My faith is in people. My, my faith has been in a pleasure in a hobby my faith has been in my finances or in my career we could go on and on and on where is your faith they learned something about their future can I tell you this in closing they learned something about their future because in verse 26 the scripture tells us then they sailed to the country of Gadarenes which was opposite of Galilee can I tell you, they did get to the other side. God wasn't through with them yet. He had something else 
beyond the storm. They did make it. Recently, there was a newscast and a news reporter interviewed families that had been hit by a hurricane in Honduras. Some of their attitudes of the one's interview was virtuous and convicting. One lady that was interviewed said this quote, it was awful. We lost everything and we'll have to start all over. But the next sentence startled the, the reporter. He even wrote an article on it. She said, but the good news is it brought our family back together again. We're closer than ever. The community is banding together like we've never seen before. Do you know what they were saying? Do you know what this lady was actually saying? We benefited from the storm. We benefited from the storm. Can God really do that? Do you believe that God can do that for you? The scripture tells us, and again I'll tell you, that what the devil meant for bad harm and destruction, God can turn it to good and blessing and prosperity for you if you allow him to. I want you to bow your heads this morning. There's a poem that I want to share with you. It's by Reverend Overton. And he said, My father's way may twist and turn. And my heart may throb and ache. But in my soul, I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away. But still I trust my Lord to lead. For he doth know the way. Though night be dark, and it may seem that day will never break. I'll pin my faith, my all in Him. He maketh no mistake. There's so much now I cannot see. My eyesight's far too dim. But come what may, I'll simply trust and leave it all to Him. For by and by the midst will lift and plain it all He'll make. Through, though all the way, though dark to me, He made not one mistake. Would you stand to your feet today? And I want you to look at me just for a moment. I know I ask you to bow your head, but I want everybody's attention right here. This morning, not only from worship to this altar that that things have been done this morning, but through the word that has been given you today, and I hope it finds good soil in your heart, many of us need to realize what you're going through is really not that tough when you realize God's on the boat with you. All you have to do is call out to Him. And if He says, where is your faith? He wants to know, basically, do you have faith in me? I can help you through this. I can easily pick you up and get you out of it, but I can get through this with you. Today, many of you in this room, you've struggled and you've gone through some difficult situations in your life. Relationships. You've been let down. You've even been hurt. The devil's whooped up on you you, because you've let God down. He has tore you up with that. But today is the day of restitution, of restoration, and of healing. Today is the day of salvation. And if that's you today, and this word today that has been given unto you, you can boldly come to this altar and lay that storm down and say, God... I've been distracted by the winds. I've been distracted by the darkness. I've been distracted by the lightning and the rain. But today I know that I'm going to get through this storm. And I'm going to be okay. Because you are with me. If that's you today, no matter what you're going through, I open this altar up to you. Will you come? Will you come and find a spot? Listen, you don't even have to say, well, look, you know, I don't have a storm. Good. I praise God for that. But I want you to come Because you will experience a storm sooner or later. You need direction and guidance through that storm. I'm going to ask everybody if they will come and find a spot and just pray. Would you come please?
I can do all things. You give me strength. Through you, blind eyes are open, strongholds are broken. I am living by faith. Through you, It's you who gives me strength. Nothing is impossible through you. Blind eyes are open. Strongholds are broken. I am living by faith. Nothing is impossible. I'm not going to live by what I see. I'm not going to live by what I feel. Deep down, I know that you're here with me. I know that you can do anything. Through you, I can do anything. I can do all things. Cause it's you who gives me strength Nothing is impossible Through you blind eyes are open Strongholds are broken I am living by faith Nothing is impossible Through you I can do anything I can do all things 
Because it's you who gives me strength. Nothing is impossible through you. Blind eyes are open. Strongholds are broken. I am living by faith. Nothing is impossible. I'm not going to live by what I see. I'm not going to live by what I feel. Deep down, I know that you're here with me. I know that you can do anything. Through you, I can do anything. Cause it's you who gives me strength Nothing is impossible Through you blind eyes are open Strongholds are broken I am living by faith Nothing is impossible Through you I can do anything I can do all things Cause it's you who gives me strength Nothing is impossible Through you Blind eyes are open Strongholds are broken I am living by faith Nothing is impossible Through you I can do anything I can do all things Cause it's you who gives me strength Nothing is impossible Through you Blind eyes are open Strongholds are broken I am living by faith Nothing is impossible Through you I can do anything I can do all things Cause it's you who gives me strength Nothing is impossible through you. Blind eyes are open. Strongholds are broken. I am living by faith. Nothing is impossible. I'm not going to live by what I see. Hallelujah. I'm not going to live by what I feel. Deep down, I know that you're here with me. I know that you can do anything. Through you, I can do anything. I can do all things. Cause it's you who gives me strength. Nothing is impossible through you. Blind eyes are open. Strongholds are broken. I am living by faith. All right, listen up. Here's what we're going to do. And here's what I want you to do. The question is, where's your faith? The question is, where's your faith? And I want you to step out in faith. If this morning, and I'm going to ask that our prayer mothers come up, Miss Anita and Miss Charlotte. If this morning, at any point during this service, that you've rededicated your life to the Lord. Maybe you've given your heart for the first time to God. Maybe God's done something for you and you want to make it.